nya 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 pa mba babwe zimbabwe <clears throat> the broken bunsen burner burns so bright south jamie southeast asian peninsula hey, hey jamie yes i think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch history, to Progressive history. today. Santa ski slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hello everyone and welcome to Pitch the Podium. This is myself, Somal Arora here. And today, along with Kunal Shah, we're going to dive down deep into this week's Hungarian Grand Prix and try and understand the whole talking points, the whole scenario, and try to explain exactly why all the drivers finished where they actually did. So before we do that, actually, Kunal, we've got quite a few things coming up on Pitch the Podium. And namely, we've got Michael Italiano, who is Daniel Ricciardo's physiologist. We've got the legendary Formula 1 photographer, uh, Mark Sutton, and... We've got William Ponizi, who is the head of communications at Alfa Romeo. So quite a few things going on here. Absolutely. And, you know, we've timed it right. It's been a triple header. And there's, a, there's, a, there's one weekend of a break before we, you know, all meet for Silverstone. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to be great to have uh, Hispanic personalities talk to us. And uh, great to be presenting all the content to, you know, all our listeners out there. But, you know, Samuel, I'm actually loving these uh, race debriefs with you. Ah, yes. And I'm pretty excited to go through what we made, uh, you know, as notes to discuss for uh, today's race. And, and there's quite a few. I mean, Formula One, ever since it's come back, it's been so exciting to watch so many good races. And this one in Hungary, well, it was a race of two halves. That's what I can call it. The first half full of drama and dilemma. Second one, a bit more cautious, but Kunal, if you had to pick your P2P moment, which is our pitch to podium moment, in case you weren't aware, folks, what would your moment be? And uh, there's quite a variety to choose from from this weekend. Yes, there is, you know, and uh, personally, I would narrow it down to Max Verstappen, okay? He literally had a pitch to podium moment, you know, when, uh, when I was in the TV studio and uh, I was seeing all the visuals coming in and suddenly I saw Red Bull in the barriers and, you know, after a couple of seconds, everyone's heads turned towards me saying, oh, did you just see that? And I'm like, did I just see that? Is that a Red Bull in the barriers? Oh, this is when the drivers, you know, this was when they leave the pits to go back to the grid and they do their reconnaissance laps and the lights. And suddenly I'm like, is this from today? Oh my God, it's Max Verstappen. He has crashed and he's in the barriers. And, you know, then we saw this whole scurry of activity on his car you know, the Red Bull mechanics, I think they were literally the stars of the race, if you ask me, because they knew what they were going to fix. And they fixed it with some 30 seconds to spare or something to that effect. Exactly. It was such such an incredible thing to see. I mean, we discussed in the Andrew Green video, which you can watch on our channel. And normally, repairing things is going to take double the time, considering the whole social distancing norms. But the way the Red Bull mechanics fixed it, incredible stuff. But you know, let's get down to the back of the whole Red Bull scenario because there's so much to discuss with Max Verstappen as well. Again, coming from pitch to podium. But on the other side of the garage, Alex Albon now under investigation because his team apparently deliberately drawing out his grid slot, which turns out to be illegal. Yeah, it does. And, you know, the race actually had a lot of uh, interest, uh, interesting moments just before the start. So Alex Albon, as you just mentioned, you know, was drying, uh, you know, the, 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 the team was found drying his grid, grid slot, which is not allowed. Then Kimi Raikkonen was found out of uh, place <laughs> at the start, you know. 
and you know i tweeted about it of course in in good jest but the the point is if you're 20th and last which unfortunately kimi was for the first time i think for the first time in 314 races but yeah the point is if you're 20th and last how difficult is it for you to actually be out of position because there's pretty much no one behind you and you just you know line up where you, you know a 20 guy who's qualified 20th lines up so lots of interesting pre race moments you know especially with the rain is it going to dry enough what tires to choose so you know we were also blessed to have uh, two grand prix back to back where rain actually played a factor yeah exactly it's it's been that kind of weekend for formula 1 of late but quite a few interesting things and as you mentioned right there about kimi raikkonen well you've got to forgive the old man he's never really started at the back right there but that incident aside let's focus on what happened with the rain because that has to be my p to be moment again a whole flurry of pit stops in the early part of the race too many people getting caught out i mean nicolas tatifi and carlos sainz being a prime example of that and landon norris as well getting stuck behind a couple of cars that that's why he had a very bad race eventually but what can we learn from that canal because early on we saw the rain disrupting people quite a bit and eventually the gamble for haas because in the early laps they came in i think kevin magnussen was the only person to start on wets but They didn't really realize that they came into the pits in the first lap and eventually paid off for them. I think they were running around what third or fourth for a long part of the race. So eventually, I think Haas got two points. So good thing for them in the end. Absolutely, I think it was a good mistake that they made in hindsight. <laughs> you know that they were going to start the race on the full wets and suddenly both the drivers drive in uh, on the formation lap and and they put on the racing slicks and they benefited from such a move. And you know, two points in the bag for Haas means that. you know in just three races in 2020 uh nine out of the 10 teams have actually ended up scoring points uh, you know this season and the only team that uh, you know sort of is yet to score a point is williams and they actually look far closer in 2020 than they did in say 2019 yeah williams seem to be doing quite a good job and uh, nicolas tatifi at the end of the first lap wasn't beaten then there's a fantastic meme that's trending around these days that at the end of the first lap nicolas tatifi jumping with joy lap number 2 is completely sad but that that's what happened in the end <laughs> that that spin really took him out of the contention but we saw potential with williams and that's something we shall speak about later on because we have to discuss the whole mid race pit stop strategy and that, that was incredible to see some people banking on the rain coming up and saying okay you know what maybe a prime example of that could be charles leclerc because he was on the soft compound tires which normally would be faster not so much here considering the rate of degradation on this circuit that we saw even in the formula 2 races So Leclerc was struggling we saw Verstappen having a bit of a confusion sort of situation even Alex Albon and Sebastian Vettel were thinking okay what do we do with this case so eventually you know the rain that they were all banking on in order to cut down on the extra pit stop never really arrived and we got what somewhat of an anticlimactic finish towards the end yeah yes we did and you know after a point it was just gambling on what strategy would work and i think uh, you know for example we saw that Ferrari actually called Sebastian Vettel in just when we heard the radio that you know light rain is coming in 2 minutes and everyone thought oh my god is this yet another ferrari disaster you know just when they decide to pit is is more rain to be expected and the likes but you know thankfully for you know fettel and for ferrari there wasn't rain at that time and it was good to see formula 1 teams actually wait it out and then at point you know they just said that's it we'll make that extra stop if we need to but for now our race strategy defines that we need to change tires and they actually went, ended up doing that so all in all it was you know it was just about uh, who actually gets lucky with with their tire situation you mentioned charles yeah. leclerc and 
you know, he struggled with the wrong tire. But, you know, most of the people actually preferred the medium tire just in the initial, you know, uh, laps when, when they came into pit. There were a few like Danny Kivats and the, and the likes who took on the hards, etc. But, you know, mm. all in all, I think, you know, such kind of races just throw everything into the mix. And, you know, it, it just, you, you don't know who's going to end up being the right, being the driver on the right tire at the right time. And that's what just keeps you hooked on to watching the race. Exactly. I mean, you, you mentioned about Danny Kifiat. He came into the pit lane right before the start to change for slicks. Didn't work for the first couple of laps, but later on, the slicks were the tire to be on. So, it's so incredible to see the rate at which things can change in Formula 1. And now, we, we have to come down to the strategy element in the middle part of the race because there was so much going on. As you mentioned, Charles Leclerc on the wrong compound, people just going hamper and scamper all about Haas getting in a very good position. But I think the rain, the, the forecast today were a bit, were bluffing quite a bit because they were a bit like Akshay Kumar from Hera Peri saying, I'll, I'll come at some point. You know, I can come, but eventually it never did. And the result of that eventually being lots of positions being changed around unexpectedly. I mean, we saw McLaren, who we normally expect to be in the top pecking order, finding all the way, finding themselves all the way back down. So, quite, quite, a, thing, quite a few things happening. But, we haven't spoken about the leaders yet, Kunal. That's what happens, right? When you do such a sublime job that people just forget about you, that's what happens. That's where Mercedes have been. Cloud nine, I must say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, frankly, I, I, I don't mind their dominance. I love it. I love the fact that ah, we are all witnessing on. history. No, no I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I, I witnessed Michael Schumacher and Ferrari do their magic and I celebrated it. Of course, I, you know, back then I was a Ferrari fan. It's not to say that I'm not a Ferrari fan, but I'm far more neutral now. I, I, you know, I'm the types who likes a good Formula One race. And I think it's good that, you know, if we had a regular race, we would have all been bored by... Lewis Hamilton running away with, you know, a 30-second margin to, uh, to Max Verstappen. And, and in some way, the rain and the midfield battle and, you know, the, the whole strategy dilemma that you just spoke about sort of made us forget the fact that, hey, it's still Lewis Hamilton leading from the front. It's still Lewis Hamilton who's got his 90th pole. It's still Lewis Hamilton who, I think, won his 89th uh, race, if I remember. I mean, I, I can't remember numbers as well as a lot of other people do. But the, the fact is that, you know, Lewis Hamilton drove a stonking race. And of course, he had a stonking car that allowed him to drive the race that he did. Exactly. Stonks, that's what, that's what happening for Lewis Hamilton. But say what you want. I mean, people are, I mean, myself as well, we're getting bored of his dominance. And quite often seeing, normally it's a silver car, but not the black Mercedes, always at the top. Hamilton winning, purple fastest lap, everything is going well. It's, it's a bit of a repetitive team. But you can't forget, I mean, when, you, when the race is all over and done, when it's in the midweek and actually go back and look at those Hamilton's numbers, you can't help but think that, wow, this guy is a modern-day legend and he's going out there and proving it time and time again. I mean, you only have to watch the qualifying lap that he put in from Saturday and the way he drove the car with such, uh, such commitment towards the lap and the way he pulled out a track record right there, phenomenal stuff. So, again, kudos to Lewis Hamilton. But his teammate, Kunal, has been in the news as well for all the wrong reasons because that jump start. Now, Normally, when someone jumps the start, there are all what, five or six people immediately watching and say, hey, he jumped the start. And we have seen Bottas sometimes as supernatural reactions, but the other times it just ends up in a jump start of sorts, like we saw today. But he wasn't penalized. And the funny thing is, the penalty aside, there wasn't even an investigation by the FIA. Now, is this something that sparks a lot of curiosity within you? And how do you approach this whole scenario of FIA not even investigating Bottas' penalty of sorts? 
you know, I've been refreshing the FIA document libraries, <laughs> you know, for the last hour. I assume that there will be an explanation that will come through from the stewards. Okay. But because there hasn't been an official inquiry by any of the teams, etc., the, the official explanation might only come if a media person goes and asks the question. That's my, my, my understanding, I would say. But yes, it was, uh, you know, interesting to see that he moved and then he stopped and then he moved again. And that sort of, robbed us of this whole drag race that, you know, Valtteri Bottas was, you know, uh, banking on to try and take Lewis Hamilton, you know, on the first lap or the first corner or turn four and the like. So, in a way, it, it was it was sort of bad for the race that Hamilton went unchallenged. But, you know, Bottas, of course, then blamed it on some dashboard lights that came up and sort of he mistook mm. that for the race lights to go off and the like. So, a little bit unfortunate, you know, for Valtteri Bottas. But I must say that, you know, uh, he came extremely close in qualifying and he knows that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's qualifying ahead of Lewis uh, that's going to help him get the better strategy call in the races. And, you know, I had him on the television show that I work on and he just said that this year, anything lower than P2 is actually a bad result for him. So if mm-hmm. we were to, you know, just quote him uh, as, as I just did, Uh, I think P3 for him was pretty bad a result. Of course, he tried extremely hard to try and get to Max Verstappen and, you know, he did three stops and the like. So, you know, full marks for trying, but definitely not worth all the points that he ended up losing eventually. Yeah, the good thing is Valtteri is completely aware of the whole scenario and that the whole false start uh, scenario aside, the whole qualifying thing aside, but the performance he put in eventually, good job by Valtteri right there. Again, you can't dispute saying that he had the best car, but that, that sort of a result was quite good from him. And the quality of the overtakes that he put in. I mean, it wasn't always served on a plate for Valtteri. But from, from moving from the black Mercedes to the pink Mercedes, Kunal, things were a bit dicey for Racing Point today. We, we expected them to be the second fastest car in terms of pace. We saw that in practice. We saw that in qualifying as well. But what happened right there? I mean, for all that we saw, we saw Sergio Perez getting a horrible start. That's the only way I can say. And then he struggled in the midfield. But large toll as well somewhat faded away coming home in P4. So, but was the pace really not there? Was, were they not able to capitalize on the whole thing? I think, you know, Lance Stroll being P4, firstly, great. It's a great result for him. You know, there's always a question mark. And I feel drivers like Lance Stroll just have to keep proving that much more because, you know, of the background that he comes with. So, I, I find that unfair at times. But I also realize that that's how the world in, in, of motorsport goes, you know, given how expensive it is. But let's remember, they finished almost 50 seconds uh, away from the podium trio. Of course, you know, things changed uh, as, uh, as you know, the, the top three tried to pit to try and get the lap, uh, the, the point for the fastest lap and the likes. But maybe if Sergio Perez was in fourth place, he would have been closer. Maybe he was challenging for the podium. But I just think that, you know, he, Racing Point got slotted in a position they couldn't move forward from. And that's why the race was the way it was. Maybe they had a quicker car, but the conditions had cooled down and mixed weather conditions and the likes that had happened. But eventually, I think they've shown fantastic pace. Uh, I'm excited to see what actually becomes of, you know, racing point in in, uh, 2020, especially given the whole protest. And as you and I discussed, you know, just a few minutes before we went to record this (laughs) episode, Renault, of course, you know, re-protested against uh, racing points result uh, at the Hungarian. As always. Yeah. And again, you know, something that I was doing, uh, you know, for Sport, the television channel I work with, uh, Renault made a very interesting point. So they, they, they are trying to get a clarification from the FIA 
on all the team alliances that are currently existing in Formula One. And it's important to remember Renault won't have such an alliance uh, from 2021, primarily because they don't have an engine customer. Not, not that they have an alliance, you know, with McLaren at the moment, but, you know, you see Ferrari and you see Mercedes, they form these alliances and so on. And I suspect that, you know, after a point, they think that these alliances could also be used for exchanging more time in the wind tunnel, given the whole sliding scale, aero testing, etc. is going to come. So Renault's protest is going a lot more deeper than just, hey, yeah. is that the right brake ducts or no? And it'll be interesting to see what actually comes out of this whole situation. No, exactly. You called it bitter or not, but that's a very, very good point that you mentioned right there. Because alliances, I think they just take away the whole, uh, what do you call it, the whole charm of Formula One, when individual constructors show their own might and try and come up with a car that nobody else can. I mean, if you look at Lotus back in the day, if Lotus would have aligned with someone like Ferrari or Alfa Romeo back in the 1960s, how tall would Formula One be today? You would not come up with innovations like the whole monocoque chassis or even the ground effect at this stage. And that, those sort of things make you worry about the innovation in Formula One where teams are just aligning with one another and just having the whole incentive of, okay, you know what, it'll actually be cheaper to buy the parts than to make it ourselves and come up with a fresh new design. So that's, that's something that hopefully the bosses at Formula One will be looking out for because, again, the racing... A result of that has just been a class system of sorts, Formula 1 and Formula 1.5. Yeah, and you know, as we realized in leading up to the Hungarian Grand Prix weekend, that there is a loophole in the whole token system that allows Racing Point to sort of take all the you know, parts and designs that they can from Mercedes uh, yeah. without, you know, without exchanging any tokens for it. So, you know, interesting times ahead. Let's see how the FIA and Formula 1 you know, deal with it. I think more than just being fair with uh, Racing Point and with Renault, uh, they will take this step to sort of try and correct uh, things for the future, like you know you just mentioned, because that's what you know they've they made good use of this whole uh, lockdown and the whole COVID nineteen pandemic for that they've tried to make the future of Formula One uh, more bright and more fair in in the time to come. Yeah, exactly. So. Thankfully, Formula One is in really good hands, but we must move on to the favorite topic of all the memers. If you're watching, this is the best part, Ferrari. One word, Ferrari. So, upgrades were supposed to come in for Hungary. Apparently, they did. But the upgrades didn't really bring on the performance that they hoped for, because in the end, what, I don't even know where they finished, because Ferrari, and beyond the point, you just know that, okay, no top three for them. It doesn't make any sense to watch where they are right now. And again, they got involved in the heavy, heavy scrap for the midfield. With the likes of Albon, Perez, Ricciardo, Sainz, quite a few people in that whole train. But what's happened? Uh, we know Ferrari isn't traditionally good at a track like Hungary, high downforce, and where there's less reliance on the engine. But even with that struggling engine, so we, we could have thought, okay, Ferrari can just gain back a little bit because the engine advantage, engine disadvantage, I'm sorry, I must say, isn't as big of a factor. But here they are now, once again. Not, not as dismal as, say, the first couple of weekends, but not good enough. Not good enough. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Leclerc, I think he pulled off some great wheel-to-wheel -wheel battles, but he only ended up 11th. I loved his battle with uh, Carlos Sainz and before that with oh, Andrew yeah. Norris and the likes. And it, it's good to see that, you know, he still got the fire in him despite knowing that the car, unfortunately, doesn't exist right now. But, you know, coming to Ferrari, uh, you know, we had predicted this in Hungary, uh, in, in our pre-Hungary episode that they will actually show some form. Uh, you know, given the whole track uh, characteristics, you know, low to, uh, sorry, medium to high downforce and, uh, you know, they, their drivability out of corners has been good. So, you know, seeing uh, Sebastian Vettel qualify where he did, I think, worked. 
but i just i just think eventually they, they didn't have the smartest of tire strategy that's what you know probably caught sebastian fettel out of course you know it's easy for us to laugh and say hey he made a mistake yet more time and that's the sebastian that we all know from the recent times but the truth is and we saw this across uh, other junior formula as well that you know if if the tires just go they just go right oh, and that's yeah. that's probably what sebastian said you know after the race that happened to him but you know in all I, i'm i'm just you know going back to the fact that you know formula 1 ran a survey leading up to the hungarian grand prix which midfield team is going to score maximum points and you know like we all would have guessed ferrari actually was one of the answers <laughs> that you could have chosen exactly it's it's been groundhog year for ferrari so far and many expect the same to happen later on as well but you know just before we wrap up let's speak a little bit about let's say what can we call it the, the darling team of all of formula 1 because they're not really doing so well right now williams i think we just have a little bit of time to cover what's happened for them and normally hungary is a good track for them you know not not too much reliance on the power and it's it's a circuit where george russell we saw last year pull out quite a few good results in qualifying and the race eventually as well so we we briefly had a chat about nicolas latifi but do you think things will improve for them later on because we we're going to silverstone next and that's a quite a high speed quick flowy corner with serpentine corners where you need a lot of downforce and commitment in the car and that's something that may not really be in williams favor yeah absolutely i mean you know i i just we speak about williams i just think of how each individual driver has performed you know like you pointed out earlier that nicolas latifi was running 10th at a point and he was doing well and i think he's had a fairly decent start hmm. to his formula 1 career and you know apart from the fact that he spun a couple of times but i think that's only natural right but we had again predicted that george russell will put uh, you know a blinder of a lap in qualifying Uh, and that did. actually happened so <laughs> i i was pretty pleased to see that saying hey we are actually called that you know in our five things to watch out for video so all in all i think it's it's always good to see williams in the fight okay and uh, it's of course great to see george russell do what he's doing uh, he knows he's got a third season in williams and you know drivers like him will rely on such spikes through the calendar to you know make a point to mercedes or to any of the other teams out there to say hey i still have the talent i may still be in the slowest team but you know when it comes to the fact that your driver uh, you know performance makes a bit of a difference in the overall result this is what i'm able to pull off so all in all i think it was great to see you know george russell do what he could do in qualifying exactly that was quite a good result for him but you know i think it's time to wrap up and just before we go who was your favorite driver of the day we've had that question on pitch the podium social media as well lots of contrasting answers for me personally i think it would have to be kevin magnussen the way the haas executed that strategy again lucky lucky for them they'd worked out for them but even working something like that out takes a great deal of courage and a lot of talent as well so magnussen for me what is your opinion on is it is it verstappen for making that recovery drive or is it no, not I... verstappen for winning the car so uh, uh... <laughs> frankly verstappen gets the p2p moment you know the pits to podium moment as we've awarded to him but i would go with kevin magnussen as well you know that the fact that uh, he was able to keep his car in the points and score those two points for ninth place uh, i think he you know he's a, he's a very underrated driver who's not gotten his chances after you know mclaren had to let him go and the likes and we don't know what he's going to do in 2021 but the fact is that you know you need these kind of chances in in your career in your you know in your season he got the chance he you know took it with both his hands and he came home with points and i think that's that's really good it's still a hallmark for you know it's a testimony for the kind of 
driving prowess and talent he has. So I would go with Daniel Ricciardo as well. Uh, sorry, I meant Kevin Mark Newton <laughs> as well. Well, speaking of Daniel Ricciardo, we're going to have his physiologist, Michael Italia, on Fix the Podium as well. But that's for later on. And once again, folks, thank you so much for watching this particular video. Kunal, thanks for being here. Super Likewise. discussion that was. Just, just as good as the race that was in the end. And folks, once again, if, you're, if you've reached Ilya, which is quite a good thing for us, thank you so much for being here. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel, to, the, to like this particular video as well, and share this with all your fellow Formula One friends. Because again, you're trying to build a big community over here on Pitch the Podium, and your support will be invaluable. Yet again, thank you so much for watching, and see you next time out for the Citizen Group, the British EP, yes. Yes. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.